What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl. And I'm Sam Sheva. And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal. So please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps. Yeah, man. So, what's up, Greg? Hey, how y'all doing today? Excellent. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all for having me, man. Uh, extremely blessed to be be here, and uh, also extremely grateful uh, for y'all inviting me. Yeah, and I mean, I got you. Yeah, I mean, we d- we don't know much about you, which is actually kind of cool because it's going to be as organic as possible. But okay. maybe you want to just throw out uh, just a little summary of who you are and what you do, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so uh, my name is George Gregory Lake. Uh, online, I go by Greg Lake. That's what pe- most people who know me call me by Greg. But uh, I'm a trial and appellate lawyer based out of uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, I, uh, I grew up in Northeast Texas. Um, let's see, I was a drug addict for 17 years. Um, I went through college, went to law school, passed the Texas bar originally. Um, my mother died my third year of law school. So I, uh, you know, it kind of added fuel to my addiction. And so once I got licensed in Texas thereafter, it didn't take me long on the opiates to kind of basically ruin everything. Um, I was homeless for two years. Um, I, uh, ended up going to jail, uh, and then I was in inpatient residential treatment for 31 months, uh, in a therapeutic community. Um, you know, did my time there and by chance, by blessing, ended up at the law firm I'm at now, uh, where we do uh, plaintiff's work for maritime workers, people who get injured working on the river or the ocean. Um, so that's the kind of work I do right. now. I uh, over once the pandemic started, that's when I actually wrote my book, my psychedelics and mental health series, uh, my first book, Psilocybin. Uh, I had a little bit of free time because couldn't go to the gym. Uh, you know, all the restaurants and everything were closed. So I kind of just took that free time at night to uh, research and write my first book. Sweet. Um, I guess a little bit of background on me. I um, Shortly after my mom passed away in 2010, I uh, was at a friend's ranch in South Texas and had my first, uh, you know, very deep mystical experience on psilocybin. Uh, and I tell people that, you know, I had a big information download during that experience that, you know, at the time I was in an addiction. And to be honest, I was in 2010. I knew nothing about integration uh, or anything of that sort. But I did absorb a lot of spiritual, uh, enlightening, what I would say, ancient information. And so once I did get sober in 2016, I actually came to be able to start processing that information. And I could tell I had a leg up on other people in the in my, my rehab because I was just absorbing these spiritual principles that were being taught to us, uh, you know, both by our counselors and also kind of anecdotally within the community. Um, I was picking it up very quickly, and I, I, I don't want to say I would have flashbacks, but I would be able to kind of think back to and relate to some of the epiphanies I had during that experience with psilocybin. So... 
Fast forward to 2018 when I was released from the facility uh, and I was able to actually get a cell phone. So while I was in there, we had no access to the outside world, no email, cell phone, anything like that. So once I was able to get a cell phone and, uh, you know, I was kind of reading all these articles uh, about the science that they had done, you know, since 2010 on psilocybin, I was you know, in awe. I said, whoa, so this is, you know, a lot of this is basically verifying my own personal experience with it. Mm. Um, and then also too, along the lines of people taking antidepressants and still struggling. I saw a lot of that in yeah. the, in, you know, in the rehab community. Um, and so what spurred me to write the book really was the fact that I saw all these articles a lot of them covered the same studies every now and then you'd see a different study and from all these different years. And I just said, well, I think that this community would be served, you know, if someone were to go and collect all the data or all the studies and put them in one resource, uh, you know, in a comprehensive fashion to where, you know, someone could reference these studies, uh, you know, in one source. And so that's kind of how the book idea came up. Um, you know, and since then, since I put the psilocybin book out, uh, I have decided that I'm going to continue to write the series. Uh, I think my next book is going to be on DMT. Um, and so I've kind of, and we talked about this earlier, I've kind of got into the psychedelic church scene too. So I think another book on, uh, you know, psychedelic sacraments and religion, as far as it relates to law in the U S, um, I think is also in order. I would read the crap out of that. <laughs> that would be a really interesting book. A lot of like lore, a lot of history, and then a lot of like how like just suddenly smashed cut to the present and like all this all this legal red tape for people to to do like these highly spiritual, highly and, and like religiously entwined ceremonies and and be exempt essentially because they're using these like controlled substances and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I heard you just say something, you know, you went from spiritual to religious and a lot of people have trouble making that leap. But for purposes of protection in the U.S., we're going to have to label it religious, you know, and I think people have trouble with that term because uh, of how a lot of organized religions have kind of bastardized it. And I get it. Mm -hmm. um, but really, a lot of the spiritual beliefs, um, you know, around these plant medicines, both you know, new beliefs and ancient beliefs regarding the plant medicine um, are religious as far as the law is concerned. And so I think people need to understand that while while we say, you know, we're setting you up a church or this is a religion, it's really just for legal purposes. And everybody wants to enjoy that protection. So everything's a give and take in life. Sometimes we have to accept some terms uh, that we might not necessarily like, mm. but that afford us the protection that, that we need and deserve uh, in order to get out there and propagate and, uh, you know, get more people involved in engaging with the plant medicine. It's, it's also about the message behind what you're serving and what, what this is really about. And it's not about our perceptions of calling it a religion or whatever. It's, this is the way to get it to the public in a legal manner. And it's, it's above all of us. So if the message can come out through that avenue of being a church, being under a religion, it's, it's it's still going to serve its purpose regardless of what label we're putting on it, you know. And it's I think it's important for us to understand to take that step back and be like, no, the bigger picture is not my perception of what religion is. It's what this medicine is meant to offer and to honor the medicine as its medicine and not put ourselves in front of it, you know. Mm. And I agree. And so along those lines too, 
you know, the plant medicine serves essentially the same purposes as what an organized religion would serve, theoretically. You know, we got people who have troubles. They come to consult the teachings, the plant medicine, uh, in order to better their life, overcome obstacles, specific life questions, overarching life questions. They essentially serve the same purpose. Now, I will say this. Um, I recently went to a ceremony uh, probably about a, three weeks ago uh, and observed uh, and did some anecdotal research at the same time. Um, and I will say that just the peace and love from the people at that place, I've never received at a, at a, at a regular you know Christian church. And I'm not mm-hmm. singling Christianity out, but that's just been my past experience. And not only that, just the amount of change people are able to have in their lives with as simple as one or two, or as little as one or two or three ceremonies, yeah. it's unmatched, you know? And so, you know, cons- consultation with the plant medicine, there's something there. There absolutely is. Um, and I think at this juncture, at least anecdotally with the anecdotal research that we know of, there's really no contesting that. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's in the, in the, in the spiritual context, it's like, a it's a kind of trial. It's a kind of like um, you're communing, like you're, you're saying, and there, it's, it's something you could fast or you could meditate for a long time, or you can take this thing. There's, there's this kind of sacrament mentality, but there's also obviously this journey and this download, like you used the word before for psilocybin. And, and I would personally say, I don't know if I'm stealing this for, from somebody, but by, by the way I define the words, I, I could comfortably say that spirituality is religion and practice. You know, like it's not one or the other. I think that religion does have a bad rap and that, that hopefully that's softening lately and people are yeah. comfortable and like less uh, ashamed to say that they're Muslim or Christian or, or Buddhist or whatever. But uh, obviously uh, Catholicism has a, a terrible rap and uh, a few other religions are, are kind of just like on the chopping block, you know, so it's, it's tough to say. But it's funny that you, you're talking about the like the love you receive and i wonder if that's because there's a camaraderie because there's kind of this like uncertainty you know there's a there's a legal gray zone and there's a there's a a fight you know and that's that's maybe cementing people together obviously the ayahuasca or the whatever the the medicine in 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 the ceremony and and the religiosity behind it like the the method this the 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 set and setting like we always talk about like those are all imperative also and and obviously creating that kind of love atmosphere but maybe mm-hmm. christianity is just kind of lost its flavor for a lot of people and and a lot of a, a lot of people who grow up in religious households they describe their parents as like going to church uh reflexively you know and they're not getting what they want yeah. what they need out of it and they could you don't necessarily have to go drink a cup of ayahuasca or something but uh, anyway, I guess I'm just I'm trying to kind of diffuse that that religion is bad uh, and it's separate from spirituality, like in a legal context where we have to we have to meld the two. But they are they are obviously uh, sisters, you know, they're they're one one kind of leads to the other, connects to the other. I almost feel like this is like a religious renaissance in a sense. It's like we're having like these churches forming and these are like real religious spiritual experiences that people are having in their own connection with their with the source of their source and it's this is like there this is parallels with with people some people can go to church the christian church or a jewish synagogue and they can have a religious experience because they truly connect with it but a lot of people are feeling left out because they just don't connect with that avenue and they tried their childhood and they were forced to go to church or synagogue or whatever but 
when these these ceremonial religious places are opening, it's like people are actually connecting with that source that everyone's been talking about in their religion growing up in. And it's the moment for them to have that religious spiritual experience. You know? Uh, I agree 100%. And, you know, and, and I will say this too. I don't think that, you know, someone engaging with the plant medicine and going home and maybe reading the Bible is wholly inconsistent. I mean, look, there are a bunch of great lessons in a lot of different holy texts that I think would that that jive 100 percent with what the plant medicine teaches. Um, I think that there's just a fundamental understanding of peace and love and connectedness that that plant medicine gives you that you can actually then go read these holy texts and understand and, and better apply those teachings. Uh, whereas someone who hasn't necessarily come to understand the connection and love and how powerful it is mm. can read those texts and maybe understand it. But then when they go to apply it, this socially constructed world that we live in prevents them from properly applying those lessons. And I'm going to say not necessarily through a lot of their fault. You know, I think we grow up in the socially constructed environment with it, divisions, uh, you know, in it, in it, you know, we grow up in that environment, and so it prevents us from really completely understanding or fully appreciating exactly how connected we all are. Hmm. I had never thought of it that way. It's so obvious when you put it that way, but like, um, it's like two two avenues for the same conclusion. You know, and you're mm-hmm. you're you're giving someone um, a taste. You know, it's like you're you're talking about this upbringing effect. You know, where we're we're kind of disconnected and 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 disenfranchised in this kind of spiritual sense. And then you may or may not have, you know, uh, some religious experiences, some psychedelic experiences, uh, some reference to some spiritual uh, or religious text. But mixing the two is giving your left brain like something to chew on and having these words, but they're informed by this experience, mm. this taste. And like, like ayahuasca is a great, um, for me personally, I had this kind of connection to my ancestors, which I have, but I had an awareness of it. We all have a connection to our ancestors just, yep. just by how that works. But, <laughs> but to feel it and to think of it and to, to, to fe- make it feel real, now the things I read have more weight, yeah. have more impact. I, do, I have That's this true. like, oh, okay, I am connected. I yeah. am like the, the tip of the spear of, of, of the experience of like all of humanity. And, and that's, a, <laughs> that's not a burden, but it is a responsibility. There's something beautiful about it. And then you look around and, oh, all my brothers and sisters are, are doing the same thing. And, and it's, there's this big connectedness. And then you read the, you know, some, some words of, of Jesus Christ or something, and it makes so much more sense. It's true, man. And it, it's, I've, I honestly never thought of it that way, but it's, it's so right now that I hear you say it. You know, and just specifically, I mean, let's let's think about, you know, when I think about Jesus Christ, and, and there's a guy on YouTube, his name is, uh, I can't think of it right now. He's got a ton of followers, but he talked briefly after one of his ayahuasca experiences, uh, or no, it was a psilocybin experience in Mexico where they had like Jesus and the Mother Mary on the wall. And he said, you know what, I came to realize that Jesus Christ represents what it's like a person who lived through the soul and not the flesh. Um, and I, I think that resonates well for me because, you know, a, a, as I engage psilocybin and other plant medicines, it's like I, I realize that anything that's not done with peace, love, and understanding 
I'm not saying it's the wrong way, but I don't know how spiritually informed it is. And I think Jesus Christ represents what it's like to actually go through life and and purely act out of peace, love, and understanding. And and I think we're a big disconnect for a lot of people and why people are going to plant medicine more is because the people who proclaim Jesus a lot of times act uh you know, completely opposite to, you know, to peace, love and understanding. And I think it turns people off because our spirit, that's what it craves. Mm. And when you're going into a holy place, you know, like a certain churches or whatever, where the people are are spewing hate from the pulpit, it it just, it's contrary to your spirit. And, And some people who aren't so far gone into it, get disengaged through that and there's a pull towards the plant medicine. And I will say one thing right now. I think this push towards plant medicine, I think Mother Nature is involved in this. Um, I think Mother Nature is involved. I can't tell you exactly how, but I just have suspicions that we have abused her long enough that now she is using several different avenues, but I think the plant medicine is one to bring us back to her in, in a state of, of you know symbiosis with her. Mm. Um, that's my feeling on it. I, I've said this quote many times, and Sammy usually quotes me quoting it, but it feels like ayahuasca spreads her vines across the globe. That's the sensation that I get from it. It's like from where I started my journey of studying these plant medicines back in 2012, I just, uh, it just, it just, the light bulb hit it. I'm like, ayahuasca, I got to learn about this. And I would talk to people about ayahuasca, and it was like, what? What are you talking? What's, what's ayahuasca? And now in today's conversation, it's almost. Not everyone, but like I would say it's now the majority of people I have a conversation with, they've heard of ayahuasca, their cousin has did ayahuasca, um, their friend has partaked or they have partaked in the ceremony. And like that is new to me because I didn't have these conversations five, ten years ago. So it's, it is clear and evident that it is spreading. And if you use that analogy of the vines are spreading, it's like, like you said, like Mother Earth is trying to talk to us or trying to communicate to us. Because after those ceremonies, there's a lot of insights that happen and you really feel connected to earth and you feel like now you have a responsibility in a sense to better yourself and to be more conscious in your living. And mm-hmm. that's through a medi- a plant that's from the planet, from earth that's communicating to you. So it's, I'm, I'm with you on that suspicion. I think maybe in a sense we, we feel like we should spread the word because of like going through it to the, through the experience. Yeah. It's, it's kind of obvious to say, but you, you get a, you get a good thing and you want to tell everybody. Well, it's like, you know? it's like the seeds of the plant is in you and now you want to, that seed wants to grow through you and then plant it to other people, you know? That's a, it's almost yeah. like, um, it's, it's like a type of teaching. It's like understanding that this is like a knowledge almost and you, you, you want to pass it on just for the betterment of the species. I just had a mind-blowing uh, thought that we're kind of like bees that are like pollinating different plants and it's the message, we're pollinating the psychedelics to other people and that it's just, that's, that's how it spreads and grows. Mm. <laughs> no, that's right. And, you yeah. know, it's it's really speaking our truth, you that's know, it. speaking our truth to other people. And, you know, I, I'm like, y'all, I see a softening generally of ideas and thoughts uh, towards plant medicine. Um, you know, I uh, I see this as like a three pronged front. I see the science like that is in my book as part of it. I see these religious retreats and ceremonies as part of it, and I see the decriminalization, decriminalization movements as part of it. Now, the, the science, like I wrote my book on, 
really permeates the other two. And I know a lot of people in the spiritual will say, oh, you know, we don't agree with this science or how they're giving the medicine. I get it. I get it. But in America, whenever the government comes and shuts you down, you're going to have to file an injunction under the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act, okay? So when you file a Religious Freedom and Restoration Act claim, it's up to you to prove that they substantially burdened uh, a sincere exercise of religion. Now, to do that, you know, and that's what I've been helping these organizations do is to get their beliefs in order and written down in a comprehensive manner, uh, mm. you know, and get their ceremonies and how they operate down on, on paper. To, so that way, when they go to, to make this claim, they can let the documents speak for themselves. Now, here's where the science comes in, because then the burden will shift to the government to prove that they have a compelling governmental interest in in you know burdening the exercise uh, and that it's the least restrictive means of doing so well under uh, what their burden basically entails is to prove that they that the controlled substances act in this situation that there's a compelling governmental interest in improving it well mm. one way you fight back against them saying oh well psilocybin's dangerous you know we got to protect the health and safety of these church members or DMT is dangerous. We have to protect the health and safety of these church members. Well, that's where the science comes in, okay? That's where you can pull out these studies and show the court, look at the safety and efficacy uh, that's been proven through the science of these substances. And more specifically, these ceremonies we're doing, while not exactly the same or substantially similar kind of of how these scientists are administering uh, in these clinical sessions. And so that kind of uh, you know, pull, it, it, it shoots a blow at the government's case. And so if we look at the UDV case in 2006, the Supreme Court, or actually it was the district court through the appellate courts and ultimately Supreme Court rubber stamped the finding that at that time in 2006, it was about 50-50, which the government couldn't carry their burden because, you know, strict scrutiny. So it was like 50-50 on the health and safety issue. Uh, so, and I just saw they are starting actual phase one clinical trials with DMT. So I imagine as the science evolves, you know, the government's prospects of, of shutting down a psychedelic church who's doing it sincerely uh, and safely are, are going to diminish very rapidly. Mm. Uh, and so we indeed are living in very interesting times. And again, I see the church front as, as very important in generally leading towards the legalization because, again, we're softening people's views around these substances. And then going on to the decriminalization movement, in the U.S., every local jurisdiction who has decriminalized these plant medicines, specifically psilocybin, directly cites to the studies in my book uh, on kind of, you know, I call it the recital section, but it's like, why are we passing this act? And, you know, that's where they will cite to those studies. So mm. when I wrote the book, I didn't realize at the time exactly how much the science permeated, particularly the religious front. But it is very much a, a part of it, as much as a lot of the spiritual people have trouble with the science that they, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with these are sacred medicines and they should be only be done in these ceremonies. And I get it. Mm -hmm. And that does go to the sincerity of the religious beliefs and practices. But at the same time, what they have to realize is that if the DEA comes and shuts them down, 
their lawyer's going to be putting those studies up in front of the court and admitting them into evidence to try to combat the government's assertion that they have a compelling governmental interest in enforcing the Controlled Substance Act. So, you know, when I wrote this book, it was really just an interest of mine, but it's it's kind of now where it's permeated and pushing me towards um, these other aspects of the, the legalization front, as I would call it. Yeah, I like this three-prong thing because it's, it's like the front door in our society right now is science. You know, the, the, these things yep. that unfortunately fall by the wayside, which is why we're all here in a way, you know, like this, these things yep. are important and need to be reintegrated. And you mentioned integration at the beginning, you know, and like obviously in an individual sense, but it seems like we're kind of talking about the struggles of, of reintegrating this ancient <laughs> medicine into yeah. our current that's society. Right. Yeah, <laughs> That's crazy. No, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I say, I think the medicine itself is has an active role in it, whether it be through like inspiring people who are on the front or just everyday individuals who are consuming it, then going out and telling, you know, their friends, family, other people about it. Um, it's, it's got an active role in it as well. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just so happy and blessed to be part of this movement. And, you know, I've, I've come to where I practice law eight to five and then from five till I go to bed I'm at the service of of the medicine. That's cool, man. Yeah. You're in the field, so you're seeing all the processes happening. Is has people has people lightened have people lightened up on these substances as a general uh, view, like in the legal setting? You know what's crazy? So I'm I'm you know I'm a trial lawyer, so I'm actually around a lot of lawyers and other high powered people here in Louisiana, and I mean I can't relate to you how many people that, you know, other lawyers I've told about my book and, you know, they'll either come to me and say, yes, I've done that before or B, I'm very interested in this. Um, I'm very interested in seeing what this is all about. Um, And so, and I suspect that there probably are some high powered people in our society who have engaged, you know, whether it be plant medicine or maybe LSD, who know and understand its powers, but because of, you know, a lot of the hardcore views towards it, um, you know, or I'm not going to say unable, but kind of unwilling to come out, yeah. uh, and say it. But again, as these views start to soften up and, and I was talking to somebody the other night, you know, we were trying to talk about the most, uh, you know, efficacious way towards legalization. I said, well, it might be getting some of these high powered people to engage with the plant medicine. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, you know, we can talk numbers and numbers is great, but, you know, there might come a point in time where it's actually who are we getting to engage with it and what are they able to do for the movement? And, you know, I'm not saying that it's kind of like, I don't want that to sound wrong, but, you know, some people obviously have more influence than others uh, as far as getting laws passed or getting yeah. policies uh, pushed through. Get the medicine inside and of so them. so <laughs> maybe there comes a point where we need to think about the quality, and, and I don't mean this, uh, but like the quality of the individual that we're having engage as far as their influence is concerned. They're the gatekeepers, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just the truth. It's it's weird, but it's the truth. Like, with a, it's a yeah. system of humans. We have to we have to get them to drink some cups and, and have a <laughs> yeah. real opinion about it. You know, and uh, I, this, this reminds me of a Terrence McKenna talk one time. He said, you know, DMT is the ultimate you know, psychedelic. And here's why, because the doubters, 
It only takes them about 10 minutes to go <laughs> this experience. So surely they have 10 minutes to, yeah. to engage with this before they pass judgment. You know, we should challenge them. Yeah, I and, and I talk. like that because yeah. he's right. Like, you know, I, as a matter of fact, I would like to challenge all these people to take one hit of 5-MeO-DMT, some Bufo, um, and then come back and tell me what they think, whether these are sincere religious practices and whether there's something religious there. I, uh, you know, I, I spoke with and am very close to a gentleman uh, that engaged in Bufo when I went to the church uh, in Texas. And, um, you know, he just described it as being plugged right back into the energy source that connects us all. Yeah, he that, said, you know, I, I now understand awesome. and felt the energy source that literally connects all of us. And that's 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 fairly profound, you know. And so I, I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of these people, if they were to experience that, it would completely shift their their set of ideals towards towards the medicine. For but sure. I, I still I'm, I'm I think it has to come naturally that decision though, you know. It's like I I don't know if they'll have that same type of profound experience if they're not willing to let go of the illusion or of of their resistance towards it. It has to come from a place of purity to, to, to jump in and take that hit of that bufo. That's the point no, of the you're right. for me. You're right. I agree with that. And I think it's going to happen because as the movement progresses, more and more people are experiencing this. And maybe that, per, that person we're talking about in the higher positions, a family member talks about it and it resonates or rings a bell in him or her. And then they finally decide, you know what, I may, there's something here I want to see. And boom, you know, I think that's how it's going to, that's how the tide is going to rise up. For sure, it's insidious. I mean, it's it's yeah. funny because we're talking about it as a kind of taboo, and you and people don't want to come out. And at the same time, it's almost like a trend and a and a movement. What's well, coming to that? Really, yes. at the same time, there's people who are curious. They feel left out. They genuinely want to partake and see what it gives. And at the same time, de- depending on what position you have in the world or what what where, where you live, you just can't talk about it publicly at risk of your your social standing. Your career. Or, yeah, it's, yeah, it's 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 really something. Yeah, but I, I'm personally I'm a little on the fence about about what you guys are talking about because obviously intentionality and 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 like willingness, freedom of choice are important. I don't want to dose people, but like <laughs> the, the medicine is the medicine at the same yeah. time, and and you're gonna you're yeah. gonna in the context of what you're talking about, Greg. Like they will at the very least be able to say, okay, this is definitely sufficiently categorizable as a religious thing. You know, like, yes. even if you don't have this crazy religious experience, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, you guys do what yeah. you got to do. I now have a personal experience, and I, I get it. You guys do your thing. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think most people would, would have that, like, if, if not, like, a complete change of heart and mind, like, they'll just be like, oh, okay, I see now. And, and maybe in some not-so-far-off future, mm. people who, who are in a political landscape kind of have to do these things to, to get I, that ancestral mindset. <laughs> I've I've heard that hypo- I've heard that proposed and I couldn't agree more with it. You know, again, I don't think psychedelics or plant medicine are necessarily for everybody, mm-hmm. but I do think that people should have that opportunity should they, you know, want to seek the medicine and, you know, I think as people would witness others, you know, again, let's go back. Let's say a high-powered person has, you know, a family member who's an addict or severely depressed. Mm-hmm. And then they, they see them or they're aware of them engaging with this medicine then come back and they're like, whoa, look at this person now. Mm. I mean, that's compelling. And, and you know, maybe just that alone could win them over. Um, but again, 
I, you know, and I do agree that, you know, intention, you know, taking Bufo or something very powerful like that is, is key and important. You know, I think there probably is a dose of Bufo to where, you know, letting go is, is not an option. The break is going to happen, but you know, again, even taking a light dose of Bufo would probably at least indicate to someone that like, Hey, these people aren't just blowing smoke up our, up our rear end, you know, like yeah. there is actually something here that they're latching onto. And like I tell everybody, a lot of people I talk to from day to day is that, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You know, you, you have these doubts about psilocybin, read my book. Even these scientists are denoting and finding things that ancient cultures have known for thousands of years. That's it. You know, this is not, you know, like they say, the old saying, there's nothing new under the sun. There isn't. These things have been going on for a very long time. Ancient cultures understood what we now put in scientific terms as depression, addiction, things like that. Um, and they were using, you know, what I tell people, these are nature's antidepressants and anti, uh, you know, addiction drugs, mm. you know, and, and nature provided that for us. And because, you know, I've been in the AA scene for a long time and obviously, we say that, or I believe that addiction is really a spiritual issue. Um, much like I also believe to a certain extent, depression is a spiritual issue. And these, you know, medicines, according to the science and ancient practices provide, you know, a mystical or spiritual experience. Mm. You know, in my book, I talk about the mystical experience in science, you know, as of now, even with the most sophisticated brain imaging, is unable to really tell us exactly what that is. Yeah. And I don't know if they ever will be because, you know, and here's a fundamental thing I always think of is that, you know, to me, I think a lot of what we receive during these experiences actually emanates from outside of your head. Now, science would never acknowledge anything like that. And, and as a matter of fact, Robin Carhart Harris would probably flip out of his bed if if he discovered that that was true. You know, they they do not want to talk about that. But I think it's pretty clear to me anyways that these medicines activate some part of our brain that where we are able to receive messages from another dimension, spiritual realm, however you want to define it. Mm -hmm. um, and science will never be able to see that, quantify that, or fully comprehend that. And so there is a leap of faith That's it. Uh, here that we have to take. And moreover, I like that they talk about the mystical experience because that's where these religious organizations need to just start picking up and say, look, court, you know, science is great and they've proven this is safe and efficacious. But, you know, as far as the actual dynamics of the experience, this mystical experience they can't explain, that's our religion. And this is what we believe that it is. Mm. You know, this, so that's again going yeah. back. That's how the science and uh, you know the religious aspect of it uh, can actually work in tandem with each other uh, to afford people greater protection and freedom uh, to engage with these medicines. It's almost like grabbing the the mystic side of it as like a veil, and being like, "Look, yep. man, I'm protected." Like you, like like the science, like we we're saying, like you know, we call it plant medicine almost like as a reflex. But these things, there's a lot of science about how, why these things are very good for the the body and the mind. But it, but that yep. spiritual, that religious protection is 
like a little kind of a little amorphous, like by nature. So you just get to you're yep. legally we get to put it in front and say this is why I'm doing this. This is what's like the reason. This is uh, this is the this kind of bypass all the red tape and or I, I kind of give into the red tape in a sense and be like 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 we can fit into your definition because thank God we we have a a place for that in in our our government where we. I, I love that despite all the craziness in, 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 in humanity and, and the, the ways that we organize and the ways we just have fun destroying ourselves, we always have these glimmers. We always have these shafts of light. And that's one of them where they just say religious exemption is like a thing. And uh, maybe it's a thing because, you know, churches want to dodge taxes or something complicated that I don't understand. But, but we get to hijack that. We get to use that for our benefit and, and give these beautiful ceremonies these these uh, plant medicines they get a platform they get they get that integration that we talked about earlier mm. thank fucking god yeah <laughs> earlier i heard you mention the catholic church and look you know i'm i'm not going to sit here and bash the catholic church there's a lot of catholics where i live and there's a lot of good catholics where i live just individuals that i know who actually go to church and listen to the sermons my boss being one of them and lives by that but the Catholic Church filed a, a amicus curiae, which means like friend of the court, brief with the U.S. Supreme Court on behalf of the UDV in 2006. Um, so these organized religions have an interest in also seeing that plant medicine people don't get infringed on either because there could be a potential slippery slope that goes. And then now, you know, because they infringe this part of the plant medicine you know, it's only then they have to go after this part of the Catholic Church, you know. So with that being said, the Catholic Church has, you know, taken a stance in favor of at least the UDV, but it would only be right that they also extend that to other, you know, other organizations engaging in plant medicine. So there is a, a community of interest there. You know, could I exactly define it? Not necessarily, but obviously there is for them to, you know, hire lawyers to file briefs uh, in support of the UDV. Yeah. What a weird time. <laughs> what, a, what an awesome time an to be alive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible that this is all happening. It, it feels like it's been ramping up the past few years, but it's like the tidal wave is coming. Like I think MAPS right now is stage three clinical trials with uh, MDMA therapy. It's like these things, are. Are, these things are all ramping up right now to like the pinnacle with all the chaos happening in the world too. It's just like, it's, I think it's just above our understanding, but it's like the chaos and all the beauty, it's all just meshing together and it's just, it's going to sort itself out in a sense. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's almost like this insidious like idea that, that never left. Like, like it's just this rediscovering, you know, I think so many people are in some kind of, uh, one way or the other, you, like you were talking about depression and, and anxiety and addiction and things like that, and these are these are definitely if just I, I speak from a little bit of psychology knowledge and and a lot of personal mm -hmm. experience. These are symptoms of existential crises. This is yes. not necessarily a, a chemical imbalance or or, a, or an environment, a nature nurture. Like th this is this is I don't know what my purpose is in life. This is I don't know where society is going. This is I think I know where society is going, and it's and it's circling the drain, and it's and it's making me have a kind of existential dread, you know. Mm -hmm. And and you name it, I can I can keep listing. But but um, any of the plant medicines I've tried have definitely helped to alleviate that, or at least make me understand it better, so that I can work to alleviate it. And that is fucking, 
invaluable to the individual and thus to the to the the collective. I want to add to that because when you have that existential crisis and that panic of purpose and what the fuck is going on, you're actually seeking for guidance. You're an open wound at that time. Yeah. That's the time when you're going to learn and grow and, and crack that's open. where I'm seeing plants medicine sneaking it. Well, not even sneaking in, but just sh- revealing itself to the guidance that we're seeking is actually right in front of us and it's coming almost sneaking out of the human experience mm. like oh we're, like we're cracking open and we're remembering that this can help us because out of, out of a kind of mixture of it's like symptoms of our growing society is this desperation to find to kind of recapture this contentment in the zeitgeist but also we we look at everything we spread around so now you, I, things like ayahuasca can't hide you know, when like my ten-year-old listens to Joe Rogan, like my well, I don't know, I don't have a kid there. I'm saying, <laughs> as hypothetically, <laughs> like you know, like some some you don't know who is going to suddenly know what salvia is or what ayahuasca is or something, and and not in a superficial way, but in a way where they they have information and they're curious and they they may or may not even want to try it, but they just know it's there mm. and it's not taboo anymore. And 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 you know, it's just it's integrating. Whether it's reintegrating, it's almost like we're getting out of our own way and realizing that we have turned our back on on Mother Nature, and it's kind of like knocking. It's like throwing its shoe uh, on our head as we walk away. Like, hey, don't forget about me. I'm still here. You know, and it's it's. It's it's not a light tap. It's not a love tap. It's like a it's a mule kick, because we're a, yeah. because yeah. we are wrecking shit. It's like a hey, get your shit together kind of kick. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> your shit's now affecting my shit. <laughs> I guess we need it. I yeah. guess that's the sad truth is that we're a little bit lost. I mean, do you do you feel this is this is a battle in a way? Do you feel like you're fighting a battle? Do you feel like you're at like a you're at the front of like a line and that there's wins and losses and it's a bigger war? You know. I, I I do in a sense, but you know, I like again, like I said earlier, I like to move. Uh, it is a battle, but one that I fight out of peace, love, and understanding. I think it's very important that us, you know, I'm not going to say I'm a leader in the community, but you know, I, I have put myself out there and and am a huge advocate. But you know, I think it's important that we lead by our actions, yes, in our words, uh, which means you know, speak kindly to people be understanding that there are opposing viewpoints and just try to, you know, tackle those opposing viewpoints, uh, you know, a, as calmly and, uh, you know, even headed as we can at the same time through my actions of, you know, helping others um, and just a host of other things kind of leading through that where people say, wow, look, you know, th- these guys aren't protesting or, or doing anything crazy. They're really just speaking uh, you know, from science and logic and, and history, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just trying to educate people and, you know, basically they embody the peace, love and understanding that the world needs. Check them out. You know, that's that's, that's kind of how I see it. But I mean, in a sense, is it a battle? Yeah, it's a battle. You know, there's still a lot of people who in, in, and I tell this story in, in my book or I touch on it like with a few sentences. But look, my sister and my nieces and my brother in law live less than a quarter mile up the road from me and she was so offended about the idea of my book um you know before i even published it that she cut off communication with uh with me and and you know would not let me see my nieces for about three months i mean we've gotten back together now and everything's good now but there was a period of about three months you know writing this book uh in a couple times where I, i asked myself is this worth it? Is it worth it that my sister might not ever let me see my nieces again? 
um, you know, to write this book. And I had to make that call, you know, because look, a real activist, a real activist is going to speak out knowing that there's negative consequences. And when they face them, they face them with their head up with pride. Because that is, you know, when we talk about activism on a on a on a scale or a line, you know, just speaking out is only half the equation. Accepting the negative consequences with pride in your head held mm. high, and not making that trigger you into anger or hate, uh, is the other half of being an effective activist. And I realized that early on. You know, I thought back to you know Martin Luther King when he was jailed. Um, you know, when he wrote the letters from 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 the jail. There was no hate or, or being upset in that. He, he took those consequences uh, with his head held high, and, and that's why we're still talking about him today as being a great man and an activist, you know, and a leader uh, because of that, you know. And, and we could go on and on through history through great activists who, you know, took, took consequences from an oppressor uh, with their head held high, and it didn't trigger them to hate or say bad things. Um, and so... Yeah, that's that's kind of where I am on that. That's huge, man. That's I I, I commend you, man. I, I it must have been scary to 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 have this uh, this sword over your head about like possibly losing your family. And I mean, yeah. you know, you can rationalize it like if they really love me, blah blah blah, they're gonna see that I'm doing something that's good. But like in the end, it's there. It's her beliefs. It's uh, maybe wrapped around the fact that you were an addict, and for her, it's just drugs. Like there's so much, there's such a web of complication. And and at the end of the day, you may you may be losing people who are really important to you. So so for you to to hit the gas, uh, props, man. <laughs> That's really a yeah, scary moment. And, and you know, looking back, it, it it did have to do. I mean, you know, she does not understand about you know what exactly psilocybin is or what it does or what's the frequency Lumping of use, things yeah. like that. You know, in her head, and I figured this out later. You know, in her head. She literally thought I was sitting here just eating mushrooms all day, <laughs> you know. So it was just an under, a misunderstanding. And look, instead of you know being upset with her that she should have known all this, you know, to me it just showed me that there's a, a, an overarching issue with just basic knowledge of exactly what these substances are, what they do, frequency and dosage, things like that. So you know, I just took it as I do with most things in life as a learning experience. Uh, and just kind of use that to fit now my paradigm of what needs to be done as far as changing attitudes and beliefs. And and I think sometimes in the community we take for granted the fact that some people just lack basic knowledge uh, of these things. And, you know, and, and again, through no fault of their own. I mean, there's there's been 50, 60 years of just horrible social constructions built around these substances that – that need to be broken down. You know, psilocybin's only killed one one recorded person in 10,000 years of use in a medically compromised individual that had heart trouble. Mm. Okay. Most people don't know that. You know, a lot of the, well, a lot of people outside the community don't know that. I mean, that fact alone should be compelling enough to start softening how we view these things or how society views these things. And so that's why I was hoping my book, you know, I wrote it twofold, one for people in the community to be able to be armed with the scientific facts uh, so that way they could go out and put a cogent argument together uh, in defense of psilocybin, uh, and then two for people who 
weren't privy to a lot of this information uh, to be able to read it, absorb, and maybe change yourself in their views, which might, you know, get passed on to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was my hopes in writing it. And, you know, uh, we'll see what the future holds, but I I hope to make a dent or or soften uh, the way people view some, you know, it's psilocybin. And then obviously I'm going to continue on uh, with some other substances as well. I love that. They're, it's, it's like the book is like a bridge, you know, the individual who's a little, um, I don't, I don't like using the word ignorance because people take it personally, Yeah. but, but really just, you know, lack, lack of knowledge. Like you're saying, it's not, it's nothing personal. It's just, you have, everyone has blind spots in their life. Like a person just, you know, doesn't know, like, I don't know. I can't think of an example. Like they just never seen like a, a like a, you know those ergonomic mouses or something, or like a type of chair, <laughs> or like a, they've never seen like sweet and sour sauce. Like you, you could be like 35 years old and you've like never seen a thing that everyone just knows exists, you know? So for someone to just be like, hey, shrooms, like, oh, mag- magic mushrooms, like, you know, kids tripping out, like like just some, some movie idea. And then if you happen to Google it, luckily these days you're going to f- see maps and all these awesome things and you yeah. look, but you're also going to see a bunch of misinformation. You might even see some legal information about how these are controlled substances. These are high, these are high, like, um, what's it called? Uh, what's it called in the States there? When you have like the, the level one schedule and two. one, oh, schedule, so one? Yeah. schedule one, That's schedule one, which it. means uh, no medicinal value and uh, a high potential for addiction. And which is hilarious. Like, you know, we were laughing yeah, before crazy. when yeah. you were saying yeah. about shrooms, like who the hell is going to binge on shrooms? <laughs> like you're, you're, um, you're either like a mystic or an insane person. If you're just like, yay, like, let me, let me download the universe. for. Like, I, I laugh about that. End. Cause when uh, you go to an ayahuasca <laughs> ceremony, the last thing you want to do after ceremony is drink another cup. <laughs> That's it's, it. You're, you're like, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Like, time out. Like, this give, me is, a, give me some breathing like, space. The thought of using ayahuasca as a recreational dr- drug, going to a party after sipping a cup and, and fucking taking my shirt off and streaking, I, I can't even <laughs> imagine that. You know? And then with alcohol, that's accepted behavior. But yeah, it's, it's recreational like, drugs. Yeah. It's in the name. You know? That's like, you it. Smoke a little weed, drink a little, and, and you're more social. <laughs> you know? it's not, you're not having, this is not a trial. This is not a rite of passage. You know? That's what people don't understand. That's it. And I, I resonate with your story about your sister because this is on a, lot, a way smaller scale, but I've been going to ceremony for many years now, and I've been lying to my parents about it. They would watch my dog or whatever, and i just tell them I'm going to like a yoga meditation retreat. And then something clicked. I'm just like, what the fuck am I lying about this before? I believe in this. That this is this resonates with me. And you know what? I I, I actually I, I told them I came out. I said, you know what? What I'm actually doing is I'm going to these ayahuasca ceremonies. And I remember it was very hard on my parents, especially my mother, because in her mind, her she's visioning her probably her son going to trip out with a bunch of people, and we're just we're like doing some very dangerous substances. And like yeah. for any mother to imagine their child going out to these drug groups or cults the way she thought it was it can't be easy and i can't blame her for that that's protection it's actually coming out of love and a little bit of fear you know but it's really just because they care about you but then they start seeing oh wait you're back and you're normal and oh you're not addicted to the substance or whatever it starts to change those ideas those those uh programmings that we had from the war on drugs and all these stories that are been pumped out for so many years and rewriting the narrative of what these things are with with the way we're living you know like you were saying before the proofs in the pudding i mean you were referring to the science at the time but like we're the pudding also for us to be going through these things and to be essentially living a better life feeling better about our lives and then letting that trickle into how we treat other people 
and and really taking taking one for the team essentially and like you were referring it, to Martin Luther King it's like like this this uh, this attitude this kind of attitude yeah and it goes back to to be a living example That's of it. the benefits of the medicine you know uh, don't be triggered to anger when most people would love everybody you know I tell people this all the time I love absolutely everyone on the face of this earth I, I do I, I say that with all sincerity do I like everybody all the time not necessarily but I love them. And, and, you know, the people in my life that I love unconditionally, you know, I, I recently took a real hard look at what do I mean when I say love people unconditionally? And, you know, I thought and I was like, well, if they did this, I'd have a hard time to love. You know, I said, no, if I'm going to tell someone I love them unconditionally, and this is kind of informed by the plant medicine, um, it means unconditionally, you know, and, and I'm going to live by that because, again, I want people to see the definition in the in the understanding of love I have now mm. after consulting with these medicines, you know, because I think people's view of love, you know, to me, love transcends all time, space and dimension. It's the most powerful force in the universe. And I tell people all the time, my belief is that when I leave this dimension, my, the love I give and receive is going to go with me. Mm. OK, it's the only currency that really matters to me. Um, and so I just want to be a living example of that. And, you know, and y'all as well, and everyone who engages in the plant medicine, I encourage them, be the example of love, peace and understanding that the plant medicine has given you. And, and it's unfortunate because I see some people like on the Facebook community that are big into, you know, the plant medicine supposedly. But I see a lot of the stuff they say. And, and it's just, I, I don't understand where they're coming from. Like it, and I'm not saying they're not engaging or taking it seriously, but I just like, I, I just want to tell them, look, think about what you're doing because we have to be an example here because we're fighting. It, it's getting better, but it's still an uphill battle, you know? Yeah. And so let's, let's work more on, you know, being an example through our actions and our words um, but again, we live in this socially constructed environment with tons of divisions and people. It's just emotionally reacting and getting mm. quick to anger uh, is is very much accepted. And, and it's hard for even people engaging in plant medicine, you know, like a month after the ceremony to, to remain cognizant and to avoid uh, being drawn back in to a certain degree. And so I've just personally been really working on that. And I think it resonates with people. I get a lot of people that comment on it, you know, they're like, wow, you know, you, you didn't, you know, yell at this person or, or, you know, or say something real smart or snide. And, and it's just, mm -hmm. I, I, I think before I react and I think it's the plant medicine that's helped me kind of be reflective uh, instead of reactive. And it comes down to reps as well, because you get these insights and downloads from these experiences. And then you come back to this socially constructed world that we're in with labels and divisions but now you ask to put in the work and continue to fuel the medicine, even when it fades out, because it will fade out. But those those deep lessons that you attain during those experiences, you have to feed it water. You have to live by it. You have to bite your tongue when you feel like that anger rise. And instead of yelling at the person, you, you, you act on a love and compassion. These are things that you have to work on. It's not the drink this potion and then it's gone and now you love everyone. And someone hits you and you hug them and it's beautiful. No, you're being tested and all these scenarios and that's the work of the medicine is the integration part of it mm, you know it's rough it's, it's so rough because it's so easy to get falling fall right back into those patterns that were so programmed over how many years you know I, I think i fall back into them because i feel like it is a potion or at least i used to 
and and even with vipassana or something i would find these things these whatever modalities or 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 plant medicines or something and i would i would think that it would inform me in some kind of emotional way that i could then like 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 i th- i th- like I, I almost expected it to give me this kind of left brain info that i would then have an emotional reaction to mm. but it's actually the inverse i'm getting this emotional experience and this kind of heart opening experience and then having to kind of teach the the body and the monkey brain like this is reality now we want this is the paradigm that i want to work with like That's in my it. chest and my brain might resist it and then i might snap at people and and blah 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 but i mean you like i said before like you're, you 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 want to take a bullet for the team you want to if you believe in this and you start mm. seeing the benefit of this then you have to start seeing yourself as an advocate um and it's funny because uh avocat in french is lawyer advocate like it's it's and and it's it's really funny too because a lot of like lawyers get a bad rap just in the kind of like a joking sense on on tv yeah. and stuff like that but the truth is that you guys have to learn how to talk to people and convince people and that is a that is a back door to compassion and empathy you know you're learning how does somebody think and how can i show them that this matters why this matters and then through that you're you're thinking of people like like uh mlk you know like you're 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 trying to present your best self because you are advocating for 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 something that you that's I mean I want to say that we believe in but I I I I hate to have I hate to show my bias uh, but honestly I just it it's something that's just really important it's just important for for us it, life is too fast you know we can't sit and meditate and and read books and stuff anymore a lot of people need something like ayahuasca they need to push a yep. fast forward button and it's not a magic potion but god damn it helps <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and look we live in a very fast paced life you know while, while you're right you know meditation yoga and a lot of other practices you know can lead people towards these places of enlightenment um you know we live in such a world and look our damage to the environment divisions are just you know like we used to say it you know when we were in rehab, we say, oh, we're well, addictions outside doing push-ups. Yeah, some kind of agreement, you know, that, you know, let, let's stop this. Um, you know, money is not the absolute driver of everything. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, can I say what that agreement will be? No, but hopefully cooler heads will prevail um, and, and something can be done. Cross my face. I mean, you, but you said it perfectly, man. Yeah. Uh, it's the point of no return. You know, like there's a not yeah. that we got to stop uh, m- making a, a concerted effort, you know, but there it's definitely just like a, the, the cat is out of the bag. And yeah. it's it's just a it's it is kind of inevitable now. And and the, the only thing that uh, they, you know, like the proverbial they, the, the only yeah. thing they can do is slow it down, you know, and try to try to deviate it. it. But it's coming. It's coming. It's, it's came. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just thought about this. Just imagine how many thousands of people were touched by the plant medicine just this weekend who were just waking up today and moving around uh, after ceremony last night and, and are really been touched and are, are absorbing exactly the things that we've been talking about today and imagine how many are going to do it next weekend and the weekend following um so yeah it's 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 here it fills me with joy Um, (laughs) that's such a good perspective i'm very happy about it i love it man i i i have such maybe too much optimism but i really believe 
the medicine knows what's going on and it knows what's, what it's doing. And we can help guide it and direct it, but it, it's going there regardless of us. We just got to keep living by exactly what you were saying and it's going to just show through, you know. But it, it has its own agenda way above all of us. And it's yeah. been proved, because we spoke in the beginning of our conversation, from 10 years ago in 2012, uh, eight years ago till now, it's just, I can't even comprehend the difference that when I would say ayahuasca to one person, uh, one, 10 people, no one would know about it. And now I say to 10 people and like six or seven of them are like, yeah, yeah I heard about that, my blah, blah, blah. So it's just, it's happening, you know, and it's, it's hard to see it when you're in it, but it's going on and just fucking let this wave go, you know? That's it. Yeah, man. Brother, we did, uh, we hit our time. Okay. Uh, fuck, that was awesome. I really, uh, yeah, uh, hey, I, I enjoyed it. And again, man, thank y'all very much for having me. And, you know, I just feel extremely blessed that y'all reach out to me and I would be glad to come on anytime. Anytime. Um, and I know we'll be in contact in the future and, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll make sure to let everybody know about your podcast because y'all are doing really good work and, you know, these podcasts are a huge part of, of spreading the message. Um, so just keep up the good work, man. I, I love it. Fuck Thank man. you. That means Thank a you. lot, man. Yeah, we're, we're just nodes on a fucking web, man. But like, I can't, I can't wait. I want to pick up that book of yours as well. And I'm, I'm very happy to have you on. I cannot wait to have you on again. I, I wish we, we, we could go on longer because I feel like we could just shoot the breeze for a couple of hours. Yeah, uh, we, we could, man. But I, I tell you what, in between now and next time, I'll jot down some notes, some more insights, mm. uh, and we'll we'll evolve it as we go. I love That's it. That's it. I'll read the book and yeah. maybe re-listen to this, you know, and we can just kind of continue. Hell yeah, uh, man. If you want anyone just to, uh, if they can get access to your book, where can they go to see and buy whatever? Okay, so it's, again, it's Psychedelics in Mental Health series. Uh, my first book is subtitled Psilocybin. Uh, as of right now, I've got the ebook and print book up on Amazon. Hmm. Uh, I will be kind of diversifying my ebook platforms here over the next, I think I'm in 90 days with Kindle. Uh, so as soon as that terms up, I'm going to probably diversify it to two or three more platforms. Uh, but as of right now, it's, it's on Amazon. Um, you know, and I get a lot of people just real quick that, you know, they have a problem buying from Amazon. Uh, I get it. But I will say this is that their royalties on it are very fair and good. Um, and so, you know, because a lot of people think that, oh, I put it on Amazon. I must not get anything out of it. No, I, I do get good royalties out of it. And just know that, you know, the money I get off my book, I'm funding me going to retreats, writing my book on DMT, writing my book on um, uh you know, churches. And so, you know, my journey into this isn't a, a profitable one, not necessarily because I make plenty of money in my legal job. I'm really doing this more to just be of service. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of the money, most of the money I get off my book is, is going straight into doing more publications um, and getting the word out there. That's, that's what it's all about at the end of the day is push, yep. helping in our part and pushing the movement forward. You know, that's it. Just, you know, that's, that's what I've been told through the plant medicine is just use my talents to the best of my ability, uh, to help in any way that I can. And I'm trying to live that every single day. Fuck. Yeah. That's, that's very inspiring. I don't want to sound cheesy, but like uh, <laughs> you keep repeating it and it's, it's something that I need to be drilled into my head, man. Like we, we got to act right. You know, we got to be representatives of the things that we believe and, mm. and, and I'm really hearing you when you say that. It's 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 kind of making me check myself. 
which is good. Well, look, hey, it, and look, that's at the end of the day, all we can do is think and contemplate and, uh, you know, one day and just, again, just try to act in accordance with, with what our beliefs are, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the plant medicine. And again, we live in this socially constructed environment that obviously tells us to go make every dollar we can off every single thing or talent that we got. Well, you know, just when you get some alone time, just reflect on that. And then once you come, just act on it, you know, and mm. that's all we can do. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. Uh, Thank you very much, man. Thank you again. Thank man. you all, man. We're going to do this again. From y'all in the future. Yeah, we're going to do this again man. for sure. All right, man. Much love, y'all. Take care. Peace and love, man. Take care.